Hello, my name is Bridget. Hi, my name is Johnny. And, and we, we have, have never, never seen, seen UHF. to another episode of Fine I'll Watch It. As always, my name is Adam, and this is the show where we show somebody, anybody, sometimes multiple people, friends, strangers, and family members, a movie they have absolutely should have seen by now, but has eluded them thus far. As you heard up top, Johnny and Bridget are both here on the hot seat this week for 1989's Weird Al Yankovic starring vehicle, UHF. Welcome to the both of you. Thank you. Hello. So, uh, I think we talked about this during the Naked Gun episode. I think uh, so. Because that was the one scene in the movie I had seen with some frequency was the one starring Weird Al. So, those of you that heard that episode will know that I am a huge Weird Al fan. So, I'm very excited to have the both of you here to watch the one movie that stars him in all of his comedy genius. (laughs) He doesn't have, like, any direct to sort of VHS... He's in a lot of things, and he's referenced in a lot of things, like, as a person who has been in the cultural zeitgeist since 1980. Sure, you would think. 1980, I think, is when the first album, I think, came out. He's obviously permeated popular culture to where he gets referential things, the naked gun clip of him being this giant super celebrity, while obviously inflated in real life. Um, but he he never was, like, the star of anything other than his albums and his music videos really like he'll do he does a lot of voice work now where like he'll be on cartoon shows and he's been on like the simpsons and my little pony and all the like cartoon network shows he's done like once-off voiceover appearances but never as movies were never really his outlet no it's always been the music videos yeah and i'm sure if he is comedy records yeah it's little cameos and things like that or maybe a side character you meet in a one-off where he's not playing weird out yeah he's just playing a facsimile of that but yeah, no, this is the, uh, and this movie might be why, <laughs> but we'll, uh, we'll, determine, we'll determine that at the end, uh, because this film is a cult hit. This is something that was not uh, well-received by critics and didn't necessarily do well at the box office, though part of that is because this was released to be a blockbuster in the summer of 1989 up against such films as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Ghostbusters 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Lethal Weapon 2, Batman, License to Kill, When Harry Met Sally, and Weekend at Bernie's. All came out like the month before or leading up to. It's like all of these movies would have been out when UHF was released in theaters. It didn't stand a chance. Yeah, Yeah. Batman is the real like final nail in the coffin, I think, for that summer. Yeah. Oof. So it, this movie did not stand a chance, but it flourished on VHS when it was released, I think, in the fall of 89 or the spring of 90, uh, where, like, it sold out. It was very hard to find. It then picked up more steam on cable and, you know, TV airings where it would have been a mainstay at 4 a.m. on Comedy Central. I know that for a fact. <laughs> um, so... Having said that, how have you guys missed this, and what do you know about it? Uh, I know the weird that it's a Weird Al vehicle. I know literally nothing else. I can picture the VHS <laughs> cover mm-hmm. of his face in a sort of... I 
am almost conflating it with the fear and loathing cover too. Um, I think he has some sort of aviators on or something. Yeah. It's the test pattern for an old school like channel. Like, you know, when channels used yes. to go off the air, not the Indian, but the but like the- test pattern where it kind of looks clockish. Yeah, the color bars, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it, those are his eyes. So they do kind of look like aviators, but they are. It is a weird kind of oversized eye looking thing. Again, like fear and loathing. So you guys are both on the uh, the right track there. That is all that I know about this movie. Okay. Um, I think we've talked about this, or I've mentioned this previously. My mother hates comedies. She hates people trying to make her laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so this would have been anathema Nightmare to her. Nightmare fuel, yeah. Um, oh yeah, he's trying very hard to make you laugh. Oh yeah, <laughs> don't don't bring that to Cat's door. Um, so that could have been it, but what year? Eighty nine. So it just like probably would have been just slightly before my time. I did when I was an older kid get into the Weird Al parodies, the songs, the music, but. I don't think it occurred to me that there was a movie starring him until I was an adult and then just didn't have the opportunity till now. How about you? Um, I, yeah, don't know really anything about it that otherwise that it is a weird owl vehicle. Like you said, I know what UHF stands for, which is just a frequency band for cable broadcast, radio, things of that nature. So I'm going to assume has something to do with him. I, I'm, I'm getting like a Wayne's World type of vibe where he's kind of starting his own network. I, I, I don't know. I'm just jumping real far into it, but I'm seeing Adam nod a little bit, so there might be some sort of... Yeah, I mean, you're on the right track because the UHF, I think it's the ultra high frequency. Ultra high frequency, yeah. Is what would have been your cable access, your versions of local access back when you had dial televisions. So like... Right. The... I think the VHF would have been your... It's like one thing below, so that's very high frequency. Then you have ultra high frequency. Yeah, and I don't remember like one... I don't remember which is which, but like one of them would have been your 2 through 12, and those would have been like your network stations, your, you know... But the other one would have been the higher numbers, and that's where you would have had to like... To watch NBC in Connecticut, you would have had to turn to Channel 30... Not channel four, whatever it is in the one. This is where like antennas hopped off the set and we're literally like on the top of your roof, essentially. Okay. Trying to get like the good stuff. Mm -hmm. So the VHF would have been those and the UHF would have been the ones that were a little bit wonky or you, you weren't necessarily a big time station if you were on UHF, I think is what it was. This would obviously been the early part of my TV watching days, but that's basically (laughs) the gist of, of that. So you're on the right track with TV stations and. Um, you know, kind of that Wayne's World vibe in right. terms of the plot, not necessarily in terms of the execution. Okay. Um, now, I will honestly say I have some sort of apprehension going into tonight because although I do find him funny, I don't find him maybe as funny as other people have grown up. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed some of the parodies, like the White Nerdy. There's a TLC one that he did. There's a um, obviously uh, Amish Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a taste for what his comedy is growing up. Didn't buy the CDs or anything because I know he had comedy CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even kids were buying like the old Adam Sandler comedy CDs back then too. Like, I feel like a bunch of people were sort of doing that 
back then have these sort of comedy skit type of style albums that were always sort of popular to grab at like uh, strawberries or uh, strawberries. <laughs> take me back. I'm trying to right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he would have been a little bit different than a Sandler because like Sandler's was skits and it was stand up comedy routines, whereas Al's records are their music records. They're straight music parody records, correct? Yes. I mean, I maybe maybe occasionally there were some sort of interlude dialogue there's between some. songs or something like that. Yeah, there's some, but the the vast majority of the things on there are they're all songs. Typically, half are parodies and half are originals, and within both. There is widely ranging versions of good, middling, and not good. Yeah. So it's definitely a thing that I totally get not being for everybody. Uh, and his humor, again, will range from very smart, very funny, like, you know, if you know, you know kind of stuff to like, okay. Like bewildering and childish. and Yeah, but even so, it's just like, okay, that was the obvious joke you could have made with it. Okay. It tends to be like yeah. on the head, on the nail, like all the time with some of the stuff that he's doing. Or it's choosing. Or it's, or, it's too correct. So like he he definitely runs the gamut. So the apprehension I think is is warranted just because I'm not sure how you're going to feel about certain things. Well, the thing is for me, like I think the apprehension comes with like the dosage that I'm receiving tonight because typ- <laughs> typically I'm, prescri- song I'm prescribed a song long. or two. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm curious to see – how 90, 90 to 120 minutes will fare it's with 97 me. minutes. So it's 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 going to be brisk. Okay. <laughs> well, it might not be brisk, but right. it's going to be truncated. We'll see how um, long that feels to you after we're right. done. Um, um, but Thankfully, it's not two and a half. <laughs> I like the idea of it being cult status. That gives me a little more excitement in it. Though I've seen plenty of cult movies that are just complete trash. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of subjective. But um, my fear, another fear that I have is that it's going to be episodic or it's going to be like these little vignettes or like quick little things. And it's not going to be this one big long narrative. He's going to try and throw a lot of things where different co- – there's going to be a lot of costume changes maybe, a lot of different settings. Um, but I hope I'm wrong there and that it's more of a – kind of kind of how Wayne's World did. They took one SNL skit and they made it into this one big thing. Even though there were little chunks here and then they sort of went back to and revisited from the SNL – airings i don't know bridget do you have like any sort of like expectations beyond kind of what i ran through no no <laughs> no i'm like so in the dark now do you are, are you kind of with me or are you a little do you find it funnier like to a point um you know i can't i have not sought him out recently sorry adam i know okay. you're a big fan when was his last well when was his most recent album Ooh, he hasn't released an album in a while because his last one was like the end of a big, long 10 album contract or whatever it was. Um, and so he hasn't, it was, I want to say it was like 2014. Mm-hmm. It may have been that long ago. So it, it's, it's definitely been a while. I mean, he's still active on social media. So every yeah. once in a while, he might put out just a random song. Uh, and he's stated several times that like the way music is delivered, it's, like, it's so hard to do what he did in an album format because you got to think a song comes out now. There are 5,000 YouTube videos that are all some kind of parody, some kind of takeoff. Mm-hmm. And so you can't do the things that he did in the past where you put out an album a year after the song hit number one and was the song of the summer. And now you're trying to 
recatch some of that magic. You can't really do that anymore. He was really the only true. one doing it too. There weren't like other people really. They're like, okay, we're not going to touch it. Weird Al's obviously picked it up first. He's the one doing all the parodies of all this stuff. It's like literally just oversaturated because everyone has a camera. Everyone can do all that stuff. And, you know, if anything, can do it just as polished as he can now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all from the comfort point. of a laptop and not have to get into a contract with Universal or whatever. Yeah. And they've all, and a lot of those people all grew up on Weird Al. Like they know the yeah. route that he would take. They're influenced by him. So whatever fun comedy angle he could come at it from someone else might have done that already. Mm-hmm. And so the album part of it, and it was 2014, the album part of it is more difficult now. So I, he just hasn't put anything out, but he still makes content. And again, he's doing a lot of the voiceover stuff, as I mentioned. Well, you just saw a concert not too long ago, right? Oh, he still tours, yeah. you know, but the tours aren't necessarily in support of an album. It's just because he can. Mm-hmm. You know, support of himself. <laughs> yeah, like he can just go play the hits. He can, you know, he can do all kinds of different things. The last tour I saw, he had a string symphony playing with him in the background of Weird Al music, which is just like absurdist and ridiculous. But like he could just go do that and do this different creative outlet. So it's just a it's just a different world now in terms of media creation. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever do another album again. I think the beauty of it too, and I'm sure, I'm sure now if I were to listen to both the actual version of the song and like his parody of it, is that when it came on the radio, you're like, oh, which one is going to, is going to be Weird Al or is it going to be the real one? Because he did it like on the nose, like the same instrument, same tone, same everything. Where again, maybe a keen listener now can be like, okay, that's obviously, yeah, the, the get, that's obviously Coolio and this is obviously going to be Weird Al. Yeah. Usually there's an accordion somewhere in the front. Yeah, maybe. Like, oh, that's another thing too. He's a big polka fan. Yeah. To, so to really throw that off. Yeah. But. Now, I assume not having seen the movie, you've also not heard the soundtrack at all, because there are Weird Al's. I mean, Bridget, you might have, but you... Maybe, but completely divorced from that context, yeah. possibly. Yeah, the only thing that I would think that you might have seen is if you somehow were down a rabbit hole of watching music videos. The music video for the title song off the soundtrack does feature clips from the movie mm-hmm. um, and some of the things from the movie, so... Just wanted to make sure that that wasn't one of the songs. I mean, you again, you might have heard the song, but not realizing that that was what it was from and never kind of putting those two things together. Now, would you – would this be called a musical? Is there enough of his music in it where it's like you would call this a musical? No. Or this would just be a regular straight comedy movie. I okay. I'm trying to think. There's only a couple of songs per se that are even in it. But they're they're part of the story and not just like a weird. He steps outside and is singing about the what's going on in the movie or anything like that. So it's not any version of what you would define as a musical, whether it be all singing or talking and then breaking out into choreographed numbers. That's not here. Okay, so I'm actually a little more excited about that, the prospect of that because again, I figured maybe it was like, oh, let's just illustrate what I do on my CDs, music video wise, and then mm-hmm. stretch it out to feature length. And stamp it and sell it as a narrative feature when it's really just six or seven music videos strung together, strung yeah. together with some dialogue in between. Mm-hmm. No, though I would like to see that. I movie. know you would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but if like if he tried to make a narrative, because like I do like his original songs. I think there are a good number of them that are a lot of fun, that are funny. So theoretically, if he wanted to do a music video or you know a musical, I think he could. I mean, there are other 
musical comedy people that I enjoy that have written oh, yeah. musicals and won Tonys. So it's certainly possible for someone to take the comedy music and turn it into stage music. He's, he's undeniably a very talented, smart yeah. guy and he knows what he's doing. And he's been doing this for so long. I think it's just a matter of taste. The same thing with like, like yes. a, like a Sasha Barrett Cohen, like, that guy's like smart as fuck. Like he went to Oxford or some shit like that, and he's a really smart guy, really smart writer. But his movies like will just turn you off if you're not into that type of shit at all. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a matter of sort of you know what you think is funny and your tolerance for him, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to come down to whether or not you kind of get on board with it, or yeah. again find that. What he's doing here in terms of comedy is something that you are enjoying, where you might enjoy that type of comedy, but this could just be not it for you. Okay. Um, so it's it's really going to be a coin toss here for me. So we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. But I <laughs> I do I do like the movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I probably didn't see it until I was in in my early teens. I think I started listening to Weird Al when I was in like the fourth grade. So. The yeah. sweet spot for a boy listening to comedy. Yes. Uh, yeah, that is it. Yeah. Yeah. With like this exact, like the first album I got was the one with Amish Paradise on it. And the song where he, it's all about Forrest Gump and the one where Santa goes on a killing spree. Like that was the first tape that I bought. And I, you know, I loved it ever since. So I have seen this. I I don't remember a ton of it in the context of the movie. This lives more for me in clips, the same way that the Naked Gun segment, that clip lives in my brain because he plays those at his concerts. So in between the concerts, he plays clips from things he's referenced in or been in. So I see a lot of things from this movie, but out of the context of the movie. And it's probably been 15 years since I've seen it in its entirety because even when I'm on a Weird Al kick yeah. it's more about the music for me than it is this so you said Weird Al's like the first tape like a me- piece of music media that you bought I believe so yes that like I bought with my own money yeah not that like I was gifted or no, like, sure. asked for but like went and purchased and like I wore out the Walkman yeah, like, yeah. I, yeah. I remember the the exact moment where I thought like my Walkman was broken because I think I wore the tape down because everything was a little bit slower than I remember it where I'm like, you know, you know the pace of a song, and then all of a sudden you're ahead for some reason. You're like, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> um, so I definitely wore the, that tape out. I mentioned that day. because I'm pretty sure the first tape that I bought was actually Coolio's Gangster's Paradise. See? It's a weird dichotomy. It's a weird dichotomy going yeah. on. You're the more serious of the sides, and I'm right. more <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Coolio is the Oscar bait of this. He is the bait, <laughs> yeah. Metaphor. He is the bait. So... Cool. Well, anything else that you guys want to get out there? Any other thoughts that you want to express before we uh, we sit down and watch this one? Um, I'm ready to get weird. Yeah. All right. Bridget, Johnny, what do you have to say for yourselves? Fine. Fine. I'll, I'll watch, watch it. it.
We are back. We have just finished watching 1989's parody-filled Weird Al Yankovic starring UHF Bridget. Johnny, you were both on the hot seat. Neither of you had ever seen this movie. And I want to hear how you're both feeling. And Bridget, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of this movie? <laughs> Leave all that silence in. I don't want you to edit out one second of it. I, I really, I don't know. It's a strange movie. That it is. Um, it's the kind of movie that I don't think would get made today. I, for many reasons. <laughs> multitude of them, for yes. multitude of reasons. It felt like Aliens made a movie. And then the more I look into it, the more confused I am. Like, I'm confused. I quickly, like, dash to the Wikipedia in the 30 seconds between credits and coming into the recording space. And the fact that Orion Films was like, this is the movie that's going to save the studio <laughs> is fucking mind-boggling. <laughs> I had a few laughs. I'm mostly very confused. I feel a lot like I did after Death to Smoochie. Not as angry. I had more fun with this movie, I think, because we watched it together. Mm -hmm. But if I had been alone, I, I would have been like Johnny. After Smoochie. <laughs> I don't think I would have let you guys watch it alone. That's true. Yeah, I don't, yeah. couldn't do it without you. I, yeah, I don't I don't think I would have let you. I I knew what you were in for, and mm -hmm. I wouldn't have let that happen if you were all alone in your, <laughs> your houses. <laughs> wondering what the hell was going on. Johnny, how about you? How are you feeling after this movie? I, yeah, I'm kind of where Bridget is. I, I really didn't want to like this movie. Like... <laughs> I was fighting it, like I just. But there are just too many cases where it lands for me in the strangest ways that I can't explain. Um, yeah, I would say like two thirds of the jokes don't hit for me, but mm -hmm. that one third is is pretty good stuff. Yeah, and I like maybe just a testament to the weird shit that I think is funny mm -hmm. to a normal per. I get to see someone to be to totally bewildered by what they would watch. Yeah. It really does run the gamut, the types of comedy that you will experience in this Yeah, movie. like, this is not, like, like someone who thinks, like, No Strings Attached is, like, a really funny movie. Yeah. Like, that kind of... No, not at all. Comedy. Not at all. But there's definitely, there's some weird, there's touches of Monty Python, like, with mm -hmm. the... The limbs being chopped off and just the hyper absurdity of it. Yeah. I was getting very big, like, John Waters vibes, too. Oh, yeah. Just, like, all these stone-cold weirdos and this, like, hyper-localized setting. I don't know. I don't know, man. And just some of the jokes, like, when... What's his name falls down? He's got the scab on his elbow, like, oh. and the tears in his eyes. The cameraman? Yes. Ugh. Well, he's tripped, so it's just all, tripped. Very, yeah. it's all very sad. Noodles. Noodles Macintosh. Yeah. 
His name was Noodles. His name was Noodles Macintosh. Oh it, it said goodness. Noodles on his camera too. Like in oh, it, was it, like did? The, it was almost like it was the brand of camera. Yeah. But it's just his it said his Noodles. Name. Yeah, it just said Noodles. <laughs> yeah, so you like that stuff is really funny to me. Like I like that type of stuff where it just the tears are just like an add-on to something that just Yeah, he didn't need to be crying. He didn't he need to be crying. In this zany wacky scenario where this small man is tripped by the big news honcho, right? Like on-air personality guy. Like he could have just tripped and been like, "Oh, that's sad." But the crying—it's just you it, just it, can't it, yeah. help to look at it and laugh, but also just feel for that guy. And then you have like the guy who's like throwing two dozen dogs out his window. <laughs> Raul. That I just that whole Wait. sequence was just Raul's Wild Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, Royals. <laughs> Where he flips the lamp and that's the title reveal. There's just so many things. That, and then we leave Raul, and then we come back, this is the last time we see him, and we get a reference to uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre. Mm -hmm. I don't need any stinking badgers. (laughs) And it cut, like, from out of nowhere, and then it's never talked about again. Ever again. It's surreal, the way this film is stitched together. And I can't decide whether it was intentional or not. My guess is that it it tried tried to replicate like the pro their programming like how yeah schizophrenic in nature and themes each one like I think one of the shows was called the Volcano Worshippers Hour yeah which I don't know what that is but I want to know <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's, that's on the fall schedule it's on the fall schedule yeah, yeah so yeah. we'll look forward to that yeah. but so what I feared. Ultimately, I think, was something that I thought was a highlight where, again, I was like, oh, that one didn't really hit. Like, this Mm -hmm. one thing didn't hit. And then, like, the next one, like, really did hit. Yeah. Yeah. But if we stuck with, like, say, like, that said sequence that I didn't think was that funny for, like, 20 minutes or whatever. Which some of them do. I feel like some of the ones that you guys weren't really digging, like, I saw some phones, I saw some eye rolls. I don't remember offhand, there but, were like... Some, I just had to, like, do... I, like, couldn't help myself. I'm like, what I needed... Wikipedia. What the <laughs> fuck is going on right now? I had to. I couldn't. Yeah, but I feel like there are some sequences that definitely go on a little bit longer than they should, and the joke kind of runs its course. Mm-hmm. But then the next one comes, and it's you know a parody of right. Rambo. <laughs> right. And it was funny, because I had to quickly look it up, because Hot Shots, which I don't know if it's a movie I think we put on the, on the uh, list, which mm-hmm. is like a parody of like a lot of action movies, Charlie Sheen starring in it, and it's very much a lampooning of like all the Rambo movies. Yeah. So I was actually pleasantly surprised to see this one came out before Hot Shots, like a year before. So I think Hot Shots took a lot out of it, particularly that last sequence, which that body torso oh sweater God. is just God. It's I... not a sweater, but it's like oh, what what Al's wearing. What Al's wearing Rambo? to look like yeah. yeah. Can we also talk about he does a great, like, he does something with one of his eyes. Like, he has, he forces himself to have one droopy eye, just like Sylvester Stallone. And I could, I was amazed. He deserved the Oscar from the opening <laughs> sequence. <laughs> That's all I could think about. I just love how when he cuts back to the room, like, he's no longer in his imagination. And he still does the really dramatic lip droop. To yeah. be like, yeah. I'm your worst nightmare. Like, and they're like, what the fuck are you talking? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. What is happening right now? Very much like how you were doing the whole movie. Yeah. Funny enough, I didn't even really think that he was going to go after movies watching a Weird Al Yankovic movie. You know what I mean? 
musically, you listen to his track, he's going after musical artists. Yeah. Now he's in a different medium. Of course, he goes after Indiana Jones and all the other stuff. That, mm-hmm. um, I really thought they were going to dig deep with the uh, the Close Encounters, Devil's Tower, shit with the mashed potatoes. And I was like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> this is going to be like a whole Steven Spielberg like yeah. lampooning. And I'm glad it pretty much stopped short of that. Yeah, right it's there. just a quick – just a quick thing. Just a quick, yeah. Well, I mean, the first, the full, the first 15 minutes are like straight Raiders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get like, like a couple scenes later, we're into like another Spielberg reference. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be. The scary movie of the, uh, Spielberg, like Spielberg movie. Yeah. yeah. No, but it gets off of that track. No, um, and I, yeah, I like that. Yeah. How were you, like, did you guys have a particular favorite movie reference or parody? Because like he breaks off into a couple different daydreams, which is the device that's being used to have these cutaways and asides. Did that device work? And did you have any particular favorites that landed more so than others? Only that the fact that we're on the heels of watching the last few that we did with the Anna Jones and the opening and the fact that I have so much love, admiration for that movie and I know the reference so well that it hit the hardest for me. But yeah, I suppose I enjoyed most of them. I think some of them got lost in what they were trying to convey. I'd probably have to re- you'd probably have to really sit me down like, okay, this was this movie. Yeah. The one that landed best for me was Rambo, but I really enjoyed when the train hit the guy. Oh, the train's good stuff. And you just were... A, I was beside was myself. Beside I, yourself. Because yeah. you didn't want to laugh, but I knew. You were like... That's a part of this movie. I didn't want to laugh at this shit. I really didn't. And a lot of times it was really funny. But it was funny, like, in a really fucked up, like, midnight movie type of way where yeah. I kind of wish we kind of spun this where it was like, all right, we don't have work tomorrow. Let's get a six-pack. Let's just watch this movie at, like, 11 o'clock at night. And not to say that I would have enjoyed it better, but I think that's where this movie lives and breathes, specifically in, like, cult, the yeah. cult world. Yeah, like, yeah. this is where people on the VHS, they were trying to get their friends over. Let's get the dominoes. Let's get all this shit. Yeah. And I could see this having rewatchability. Yeah. You know, there are jokes that I know I missed and things happening in the background, like, mm-hmm. that I noticed just this first time around, and I wish I had actually taken notes, that I know it would pay off quite a bit to do it over and over again. Like, this is the type of movie that you would probably watch, like, once a week as a teenager, like, with your friends. Yeah, and it seems like, and and not, it's like every beat, not every single person is going to laugh at that beat or whatever. It's going, like, there's something for everyone here. There's like, like you said, the Mighty Python, the limbs and the bodies flying everywhere. Mm -hmm. You got like all the spoof and parodies and lampoons. Then you got this like surreal, I don't know what was going on with those guys' faces. I didn't really like for a few minutes. How the dudes with the really long nose. Didn't like that at all. Didn't care for it. You didn't seem to like the, the weird, Dudes with the faces drawn on their abs that were then wearing big. I didn't like that either. There was a lot of things towards the end where you're just like, nope, don't like that. Didn't wish I didn't see that. Yeah, it kind of turned. It it was kind of like it was almost like the beginnings of like an Adult Swim type of situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very Adult Swim. (laughs) I loved the commercial parodies. Those were my favorite. Okay. Was there a particular one that stood out to you? Oh, I know which one you laughed at the most. The but funeral. Yeah, the, the, the funeral <laughs> salad bar. Salad bar, because they cut, like, it's so good. Oh, my gosh. Her face is just so stricken with her fucking romaine lettuce. I know. She's so, so upset. <laughs> All her. And it, it's thrown in there like it would be a, of any, in any 
funeral home ad. Uh-huh. Like it doesn't even, they don't even take a beat to be like, this is different than what you're expecting. It's just like, yep, here at this funeral home, we also have a salad bar. Yeah. And there are just some, there were some nice moments, great attention to detail in those. The spatula one, yeah. you know, I can think of commercials I grew up watching that were like that over the top corny. The, the product that is being sold is absolutely ridiculous. But then when you cut to the owner being like, hi, I'm Rich Spatula, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like the I guy just not, so much, I, mean, I bought like, the company. You know, yes, that that is such a great send-up of something that was very prevalent at one point. Right. Yeah, I liked – it was really well edited, the movie. I don't know if that deserves – that being said, but I think to your point about the detail, is that, like, if you take that snapshot of the woman next to the salad bar, there's just so much going on. <laughs> like, the way she's it's dressed and text. everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, what, what else? Um, I don't know, my notes are scattershot, obviously, but... Yeah. But to your point about the editing, though, as zany and as ass-backwards as this movie kind of is, if it was edited poorly, you would notice... Whereas this is, they're just hard cuts to the next thing because it doesn't really matter. We don't need a transition. We don't need an explanation. And in that Monty Python way, we don't even need an ending to no. the bit. Yeah. The bit can just kind of be like, I think one good example of that is when they're doing the very first town talk with uh, Emo doing the shop teacher. Yeah. And like, that, oh. that dude's out of his mind and he's hilarious. Like, I've seen, he's open for Weird Al. <laughs> he's out. He's just out of his mind, weird, and but so hilarious at whatever that shtick is. Mm-hmm. And like he cuts his finger off, and they're just like, "Okay, well, I guess you're you're bleeding." Thumb, okay, and then on to the next thing. Like it doesn't right. matter. We don't need to tie that up. We don't need to ever mention it again. There's no lawsuit that comes back. Like it might as well not have even happened. Yeah, it's like it's like channel surfing. I mean, you don't yeah. really. It just you're bored with the next one. You go to the next one or whatever. It just. God, you know, we talked about strawberries before the movie. Another thing that made me nostalgic was the send-up of Geraldo and Sally Jesse Raphael <laughs> with the Klansman and the little girl and the dominatrix. More hidden, more surprise Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So sneaky. Yeah, they just slide them in there and these slide right in there. <sighs> But yeah, the, the what is he searching Al Capone's glove box? Oh, that's good <laughs> stuff. <Road> yeah. Maps. <laughs> what are you a lesbian who was abducted by aliens? Who now? Oh, uh, if you remembered it, I would walk out so of the right now. It's, it's, so just, <laughs> it's such a long string of different things that all like wouldn't ever interconnect together ever. somehow. Yeah. They're looking for that as the next guest. But yeah, the cast is, it's a fun cast. I like the cast. Michael Richards is just ridiculous in this. Yeah, how did you feel about his portrayal? Because it is completely all over the place and bouncing off the wall. And he's pretty much going 100 miles an hour the whole time. Were you were you glad when he left screen each time? Were you wanting more of him? Did you like the balance of his? Because you either like that character or you very much do not. And you're one of the gangsters that's holding him captive, and you just want to kill him and cut his tongue out. Right. Um, I I have a little bit of that. Not so much I want to kill him, but just relief 
when he's out of my line of sight and I don't feel <laughs> <laughs> responsible Yeah, I don't have an earshot of him. Yeah, just, um, there were moments that the character was used to great effect. So before he gets the show, he's still working as the janitor and he goes up to George and says, do you need me to stay? And George says, no, no, you're fine. Go home. Are you sure? Yeah, go home. Okay. He's off screen for five seconds and then comes back in and on the other side, on the other side and asks, so if you went up to space and you screamed really loud, would your head explode or something totally (laughs) off the wall? And that sort of, that is right up my alley. Yeah. Of like, that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> More of that, please. But you need that in small, surprising doses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How about you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the number of exasperated uh, that we're going to have. <laughs> yeah, you really are, yeah. Because it's the only kind of reaction that... I really had for most of the movie. But also, like, it's the only one it deserves in a I, certain yes. sense. Like. Mm-hmm. Especially as a first-time watch, clean and sober, in your 30s. Like, that's the only kind of reaction that should happen. But it's not, like, it's so it's not wrong, but it's it's just funny. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Like, 10% of the shit that he did landed. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was just, but there were so much other fun things going on around him. And I think he really, like hit his stride when we got we got his own show when all that shit was happening mm-hmm. when he was flying out on these little like clown cars and he had guests on his show and everything like that's that was some fun stuff but yeah the broom fight the broom fight was good yeah i just it's it's one of those things where i think it that sort of like portrayal of that type of character whatever is going on upstairs is not something that would happen today and it 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 doesn't do a great job of telling you what exactly going on with this person. And they don't really need to. Yeah. But there's some sort of mental illness going on. He's not just he's, – he's on the spectrum somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think they do a, a sloppy job of kind of like handling it. But it also is a Weird Al Yankovic movie. So I'm not going to – you know what I mean? It's not be, yeah. between like – what is it? I am Sam and like Forrest Gump and all these other ones. It's like, where does this land really? <laughs> yeah. It just, I didn't know it what they want. I don't know if they want him to be like silly. Like, I don't know if he like actually, they were trying to show that he actually it has some sort of illness and we should feel bad for him and accept that he's as he's wacky a, as he is. Or I think he's just a goofball. I don't think there's anything deeper that we're supposed to be looking at necessarily. It's just what a wacky guy and. Yeah, I don't know. It's meant to be. When did the Ernest movie start? Like, is he a send up of like Ernest? Maybe you know, like that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, but Ernest is like a scholar next to this cat. (laughs) I hate Ernest. I hate Ernest too. I do too. Dude, throw him on the list. No. (laughs) Throw on the list. Invite a bunch of guests. We won't show up. (laughs) It'll be like Saw. It'll be like Saw. Yeah. TV turns on. Yeah. You want to play a game? Okay. <laughs> uh, so the very first Ernest movie is Ernest Goes to Camp in 1987. So it is technically out before this. So it easily could have been. I feel like If not that. a direct kind of comparison, then it's something in the same yeah. vein. And yeah. like maybe a little bit of Pee-wee, even though Pee-wee yeah. is yeah, a there's definitely some like Pee-wee those older stuff going on characters in here. too. But 
do you think this character is a better, and it's a very similar comparison, I think, in terms of their, what's going on upstairs and the comedy they bring from it. Is this better than Spinner? Absolutely. In Death, in Death to Smoochie for you? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because, again, they're very similar in that, like, hey, he's a little... But that one, at least, they're like, oh, he got punched in the head a million times, and that's why he's slow. Where this one's just like, yeah, he's just a guy. He's just he's, a janitor. He's, he's an just, odd duck. Yeah. Yeah. But he can turn it on when he needs to, and he's the saving grace of the network, turns mm-hmm. out. Yeah, and I suppose Michael Richards, the, that character, lives better in this movie because everyone around him is pretty close to being as zany in yeah. some way yeah. or another. Like, all they need is to lose their job a couple of times, maybe get evicted, and they'll be kind of where he is in that headspace. But mm-hmm. they, uh, they're all very zany. There's not a lot of, like, real normal people in this movie. Yeah. Maybe none at all. Yeah. And they're the people, and this is part of, you know, I think some of the John Waters vibe that this movie has is the weirdos are the ones being celebrated. The weirdos are the ones who are, oh, really, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And so, God, what is the character's name? Stanley. Stanley. Stanley Stawalski. Stawalski. Spadowski. Spadowski. Okay, Spadowski. Stanley Spadowski. I mean, that's a, I would say. It's a household name now. Yeah, (laughs) about the portrayal. Um, But I agree. uh, Probably wouldn't fly. There's a couple characters that wouldn't fly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just. Gandhi 2. Gandhi 2. I had to. Did you not like it because of the... the okay. <laughs> As a concept, I hate to say how much it delighted me. <laughs> you know, um, the the grease paint, not great. No. Yeah. Um, but it's a low-budget TV station, so at least budget, then... You know, it, you can make the argument of yeah. like, oh, this is, this is why. Yeah. But... It's funny stuff. It I, is, because I do love the look of, like, the mixing and matching of genres, and the send-ups are really good. The parodies are feel very true, and that felt like a very true yeah. black exploitation mm-hmm. send-up. But yeah, just so, like, taboo and wrong and everything. Yeah. Oh and then it's and like, he orders a steak at the restaurant. Oh, like, yeah, I saw oh that. Oh, my yeah, God. Because yeah. like, there's no rules except Gandhi's rules. That's all there is now. Yeah. Funny enough, SNL like tried to do something like this. I think five or six years ago with Christoph Waltz. I don't know if you remember, but each they did Jesus Uncrossed when Django oh. Unchained came out. Oh yeah, and that kind of like oh, I remember yeah. being in news for like a hot minute, but people yeah. were like, "What was that?" <laughs> like, I'm sure if anyone saw this movie in the theaters, they might have been outraged too. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, you have the karate studio that they live next to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know those characters make an appearance a few times. Um, the lead guy is portrayed by um, the same actor who portrayed Long Duck Dong in 16 Candles. Um, is that his best friend? Or who, who are we talking? Who's the... Uh... The the karate... No, no okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. talking about uh, Weird Al's right-hand man in the movie. Oh, I don't know. I didn't Because I think I've him. seen him in the, the, something before. The one thing I recognize him from is Heavyweights. He's Maybe one of the. Heavyweights. I think he's one of the coaches that's there. Like he's not the. I don't remember exactly, but I think he's one of the the like training staff. Gotcha. Not the main dude, and not the one who like got skinny or whatever, but like a different different guy in that movie, I believe. But that's the only thing I recognize him from. 
It's nice to see Richie April on this. It was fun we were just talking I today. Was, just I was spit, like, I can't. We were just spitballing today about people we've met before, and I was like, yeah, I drove that guy around on a movie set for like two weeks. Oh my god. Yeah. How was he? The only thing I remember is like driving back to his hotel, and I don't want to get off track, but all I know, he had not been in like New England or something like that in a while, and he saw like all of the stone walls that people have, and he goes, people got rocks for fences around here, huh? <laughs> And then he made a comment that I didn't have my seatbelt on or something like that. And then he like he like slammed the door and never saw him again. <laughs> <laughs> he was so disappointed. It was literally like a, like a block or two away, yeah. and I didn't have my belt on. But he was like, "You kids these days, yeah. Yeah. no respect. You, yeah. you got rocks for fences. Yeah, you got rocks for no, brains. No seatbelt. No seat yeah. Rock walls ain't yeah. doing nothing. <laughs> but it's funny to see because I think he's like in Shawshank and he's uh. He made, he's made like a couple weird appearances in the eighties movies, and he's an old old Scorsese movie, Mean Streets. I think. I'm trying to think who else I recognize in this movie. Well, oh, well, Fran Drescher, Fran Drescher, Fran yeah. Drescher. Uh, Victoria Jackson. She was on SNL for a while. Yeah. She plays Terry, okay, right, the girlfriend, right. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody like a, they, a lot of these people have probably shown up with one-off you, things. Yeah, and, you guys don't recognize this person, but. I did because of the way that I was raised. Um, the scientist is played by an actor named Tony Geary, mm-hmm. and he played Luke on General Hospital for decades. Oh, so it's a yeah. weird, mm. it's like a neat kind of inside joke because at that point he would have already like come off the General Hospital, like the huge Luke and Laura years would have happened. So I think it's just like a neat touch. I don't know if it was intentional, but I was. They definitely I was show- into the reference. They definitely showcase him like you're supposed to be knowing who this person yeah. is. In like, 1989, a lot know. of people would have known, yeah. Yeah. oh my god, it's Luke from General Hospital. Yeah, he's very clearly their famous person. Mm-hmm. Because like Fran Drescher wouldn't have done anything yet. No, Michael Richards yep. is still doing stand-up. Seinfeld hasn't happened yet. So like some of these people are on the cusp of breaking out, but like mm-hmm. he would have been like... This is our celebrity. We put him in a Doc Brown wig and we yeah. surrounded him with beakers and Bunsen burners and electricity diodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get ready. You're watching it. Yeah. I do enjoy that type of stuff where you don't know what that person in this movie is like building for most of the movie, like where they're getting at. You just see they're just tinkering with lasers and, mm-hmm. you know, Bunsen burners and shit like that. And then he's just putting a big old camera in a fucking a tile on <laughs> rooftop. I always think he's going to put the whole camera through, so there's just a big TV camera, like, hanging from the ceiling. Where, like, someone would obviously notice, but in this instance, nobody does, because that's the funny thing to do. Because he just drills a giant hole. In the well, what's funny about it now is that, like, we've obviously seen technology go where you just take a GoPro or a camera that big through, yeah. and they see, like, it's like, what is, is that, like, a coffee canister or, like, a pony yeah. keg? What is that yeah. thing? It's a series of mirrors <laughs> yeah. that leads back to the station. Well, it's That'd also be amazing wild. that he got in there, because that's not... His building, like he shouldn't have been able to crawl through the ductwork of Channel Eight to put this. Oh, at that there. point, like I was not <laughs> trying to break down this movie in any sort of. No. I like that we don't waste a lot of time on logistics. No, in this no. movie, I don't have. I don't care. I just give me the next gag. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? All the the plot of we have to make this work. I'm a schlub who has to run this. Like, did any of that? Do anything? No. No. It just propelled you. And it just... It, I all, all I got was, like, Wayne's World vibes out of it. Yeah. It's the only thing that kind of, like... If anything is a negative... Like, there are more than a few negatives in this movie, but one of them was sort of, like, the derivative plot of sort of trying to raise money and save mm-hmm. what we've what we've got in the beginning. And yeah. 
It's, um, yeah. I didn't care. I didn't hate it. It's I didn't hate it either. only there to be just the most basic outline mm-hmm. that you can fill with all your different your references and send-ups and fake commercials. It's fine. But yeah. I'm not invested. And it's different than a Wayne's World because, for me at least, you're at least partially invested in Wayne and Garth as characters. Mm -hmm. Maybe Garth a little bit less because he is more of a weirdo. But you want their TV show to succeed. Mm -hmm. Whereas everyone here is much more flat and strange and so cartoonish that it's hard to think of them as having real dreams because even their dreams are cartoons, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. But does it work for you as at least a framing device for... This is the way in which we can show you parodies. This is the way in yeah. which we can do asides. And yeah. It's completely serviceable, yeah. Okay. How did you feel about the the fact that a lot of them were also daydreams? Did that work for you as an explanation? Because like right at the start, it's a parody, and there's not a movie there yet. Does that work to explain those away of like, oh, you just get daydreams sometimes, and you've got an overactive imagination? I would say the daydreams are probably the weakest parts for me comedy wise I think it was just after a while I was like okay here's another one hopefully this one lands better than maybe the last one none of them ever landed as good as the Indiana Jones one for me anyways so it's just after that just kind of like downhill Until we, when we get the Rambo it's kind of funny and definitely got a big chuckle out of him like looking through the door and then like they pan out and it's like the whole it's the cage <laughs> it's like that's like I love that shit and, I love, and the scene and the setting um but yeah, I, I'd, I'd be hard for us to try and think of what other ones they kind of snuck in there because they weren't as pronounced as the bookends, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they really, I mean, those yeah. bookends are the, the two best. Yeah. And oh, the music video, I guess, is it. Yeah, what did you guys think of the music video? Because it kind of is a hard stop. It's a very yeah. hard stop for me. I. It's a very hard stop. I think <laughs> in the same way that if you showed my sister a movie... You're like, okay, this is a sketch comedy. She's 10 years younger than I am. And then in the middle of it, we put the music video for White and Nerdy in it. Yeah. She doesn't know Riding Dirty by Chameleon Air. She's not familiar with this Weird Al song. Like, the send. I just it was like, no, I, this is not for me. Like I'm, I'm not the target audience. And yeah. I, I appreciate what's happening here, but I don't need this. Yeah, I, because uh, it's a Dire Straits song, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. Money for nothing. Money for nothing, correct. So, yeah. I'm not familiar with the music video, so I don't have any it's, point it's of reference. Very, it is a very close. I imagine it is. It's not, it seemed like he tried to make it look as close, and that's what he typically does. So, yes. I was I was assuming the fact that he didn't go, like, off the beaten path. He went kind of exactly how it does look. I tried to pay attention to the lyrics. Nothing was landing for me as far as. It's explaining the plot of the Beverly Hillbillies. No, I got that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, I got but, it. Like, it just wasn't not, doing anything yeah, for me. Not a reference point that I have. Like, he could have been talking about Mars, and it would have made just as much sense. It's weird, because, like, I get on a wavelength with this movie, and I'm like, okay, this is this, this is funny now. I'm like, and then, and then it does something like that, and it's like, that may have been really funny for someone else who didn't think what I thought was funny 20 minutes ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. just... yeah. Like I said earlier, that sort of schizophrenic nature of it, but Dude, that like, was one that just fell completely flat for me. I couldn't wait for it to be over. Yeah. yeah I just... I, yeah. It is the one music video I think you mentioned before. Like, yeah. okay, I was expecting that. I Hopefully that's going to be a banger or something. Yeah. No. 
Not a banger. The UHF song is good. The one that was playing during the credits. That song is good. I do enjoy. I'll have that. to. I'll have to listen to that yeah. one. But it's really... not a. Uh, like there was no music video for it. It just is the song that plays. Yeah. But yeah, money for nothing. Like it's a funny video. It's funny in the sense that it's a really close version of the Dire Straits "Money for Nothing." But and like I've seen that video tons of times as just a music video. It plays way better if you're just again watching the music video. The full song plays. You get that almost one to one recreation. Or that video plays in the background when he's playing that song in concert. But what a weird choice to put it in the middle of a movie. And when that sequence started, I was very worried that I was going to lose both of you. Not that I necessarily. Oh no! I'm pretty sure I was clinically dead for like (laughs) five seconds. You were thinking about what toppings to put on your salad at the funeral home. (laughs) I don't even know if we were there yet because I think some of those things like revived me. Pulled me out of the deep end, but true. Yeah, I I think to your point, Adam. I think if I stepped back, isolated, watched the music video, had seen the Dire Straits music video, I would appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, and that's all it's good for. In the middle of this blender, yeah, it like clogs the blender, and the blend doesn't blend for a bit. It does, (laughs) which is why I thought was like, all right, I can tell that they're either begrudgingly enjoying or parts of it or whatever. (laughs) But I thought when that part came that. I wasn't going to get you back to on get, the wavelength of the movie because, like, it's completely different than everything else that you're seeing because it is the one music video, yeah. the one thing that's not aping a movie, it's aping a TV show. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's completely divorced from whatever Plato-like structure we're dealing with yep. because it's not a movie parody. It's not fitting in <laughs> any of these other things that the other stuff that we've been doing in his daydreams have been yeah. doing. So I was worried that you guys would just be like, nope, that was it. That's the that's the final straw. I'm I'm out. <laughs> at least I was relieved that Bridget wasn't laughing at anything. Cause if like the both of you guys were chuckling, I'd be like, I, I should I be friends with these people anymore? Like like should I just like Yoda peace out like, like my clothes just disappear? <laughs> just like well, well, he's gone. <laughs> that's it. I feel like some of the biggest laughs that you guys had was just like looking at each other and being like, yeah, we're in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're like, in this. I yeah. I can't believe. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. Yeah. Or like we'd like, we would just look at you, Johnny. Yeah. And yeah. Just be like, oh my God, he's, he's miserable. We're in the looking glass right now. <laughs> but those are some of my favorite moments. I don't, I like sort of like it's a- being challenged to like laugh at something and. Maybe not even have the time to think about it because something else has rolled over me. Or they just, I, it was an enjoyable experience. I will say that for yeah. sure. Okay, so they go through a bunch of different TV shows. So I want to figure out which one is your favorite. I'm going to list the ones here because I think I wrote most of them sure. down. Uh, we've got uh, Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse, which then turns into Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse. Clubhouse, yep. Yeah. We've got the Wheel of Fish game show. <laughs> <laughs> we've got... Secrets of the Universe, uh, Raul's Wild Kingdom. Did you guys have a particular favorite uh, in-universe television program? Well, quickly explain to me what happened during the Secrets of the Universe, because uh, that's the only one I can't picture in my head It was right just now. the scientists being like, the Secrets of the Universe. and like, I'm gonna... Oh, this is how you make plutonium with yeah. household objects. Yeah. I, that one is my favorite, I think. Wheel of Fish goes on for a little bit too long. 
I kind of like Raul's. I don't know. It's, yeah. just, I, it's just so... He goes with the turtle, he licks it, and it throws it up on the fucking ceiling, and then... Cup. <laughs> yeah, right. Look, it's... Stick- I just love the pile of dogs outside. Because, like, he throws two, and you're like, okay, that's fucked up. He just threw some dogs. But then they cut to the outside when one of them's flying out. And there's and a he's pile. he's landing in a pile of dogs. And that's my favorite part of that. I feel like he does something between the turtle and the dogs that really had me chuckling, or maybe right oh, before. Oh, the ants! The yeah. ants oh, the ants was so good! <laughs> I heard they really don't like this, or whatever. <laughs> Actually, yeah. No, they I'm spent gonna... weeks. God, I felt, I felt bad. I felt bad for like two dozen ants for like a hot, like a hot second. Oh, that was good stuff. Yeah, yeah it was the ant farm that really got me going. <laughs> Did you guys enjoy Conan the Librarian? Did you watch that? Movie? I I actually enjoyed that. I don't think Bridget really enjoyed that. But. I liked okay. I liked Conan the Librarian. There were a couple. I just like when he splits them in half. I do. That is good. That's some good stuff. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, Plots R Us was before was before Beverly Hillbillies. So you got yeah. Plots R Us and then went hard stop into the music video. Okay. Oh, yeah, I liked how all the people's legs were sort of sticking out. Oh yeah. Oh, I really liked the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Is it this? Is it this? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> that I really enjoyed. <laughs> See, like, that, something like that is almost funny to, like, anyone, I think. Yeah. All, it's, like, universally a funny concept. Yeah. Someone could draw that joke on a cave. Oh, and yeah. And Neanderthal going, like, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, that, that like, those are what, even though like, it seemed like we all really enjoyed that, we enjoyed it for a reason, because it was just so broad in the spec you know what I mean the mm-hmm. spectrum of comedy that it wasn't so off the beaten path that yeah. one of us maybe snickered out of it. Yeah. It's just silly. It's just silly, yeah. It's just silly. You gotta think in context too, like the Rubik's Cube would have only come out years prior as like uh, the That's huge true. big toy of the eighties. Yeah. So this could be one of the very earliest Rubik's, Rubik's Cube jokes. based yeah. jokes. So maybe in the context of history, this is a, a milestone. Yeah, my- <laughs> a watershed moment. <laughs> a watershed moment. I do like the Stanley Spadowski clubhouse. I do think it's a good pivot from the Uncle Nazi. Although when, when Uncle Nazi's super depressed and he's just talking about wanting to kill himself because the coyote can't catch the roadrunner, is pretty Oh, funny. yeah. That's yeah. Good, yeah. And just the kids don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, they don't even want to participate. He tells one of them to shut up. Yeah. There's a part of me... That loves watching people lose their shit in a funny way. And so that scratched an itch for me. That's I love when <laughs> like people scream, have the Bill O'Reilly, fuck it, we'll do it live. The freak I house, love yeah. it. Yeah. I love when it happens organically and inorganically. It delights me. Yeah, I enjoyed the, the was it, we call it the fun house, what was it? The Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse. Clubhouse, Clubhouse, yeah. yeah. I enjoyed that because it was probably the most extended of the sequences, and you got a couple of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's one where he dips a kid in oatmeal, I think, and then well, puts him on a horse. So the, it's a contest. It's the old man, the old woman, and this young boy. They might be a family, I don't know. Uh, but they're searching for a marble in a big inflated pool of oatmeal. And the prize for finding the marble is you get to drink from the fire hose. So he puts him on the horse, and I love when he drags the horse over, and the horse is just like bouncing, on, like the fake yeah. toy horse is bouncing along. And then they just turn on a full fire hose three inches from that kid's face. <laughs> and I have seen that gift before somewhere. That's like, I think the only 
couple of seconds I've seen I've seen this movie before going into it tonight. Yeah, I'm sure it's one of those ones where it's like the kid has something written over him, and then the fire hose is some other like. Oh, this thing just completely destroys me. Yeah, it's me. something. I'm not sure how you why you would use that sort of gif in any sort of reactionary sense, but I enjoy it. There's another one where he's in the window and he's eating something. <laughs> and he's... When Stanley's... What's the first thing he's eating? Well, it's the Twinkie oh, hot dog ch- cheese shit that he's eating in the beginning. Dipping no, into milk. No, no, no. no, no, no. Stanley the on Stanley, the show. Yeah, he eats he, cornflakes. That's when he says, like, don't tell your parents you're doing this. And he's got his hand trying to get the toy out. Yeah. But before that, he's eating, like, a cookie or something. And he's like... No, he's making, someone, like he's making someone else eating, like, a dog. Oh, it's watermelon. It's watermelon. This watermelon tastes like poop. Yeah. He's like, this water... I like this water. It tastes uh, poop. I'm going to stop eating it. <laughs> Give me those cornflakes. <laughs> no, yeah. What you're talking about, Johnny, is on Uncle Nutsy's clubhouse. Yeah. Where he's feeding the clown... Who he just hit in the face with a frying pan, full on, no stop. Yeah. Um, what he calls butter cookies, but they're really just... Dog triscuits or yeah, dog, dog, dog biscuits. Treats. He doesn't realize it, or he does. And I love when you can hear the guy like puking off camera. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the different extended sequences of Stanley's version of the Clubhouse yeah. is, is great. And him getting, and everybody gets redemption in this movie. He gets his mop back yeah. in the end. Noodles trips the, the guy who trips him. And it's way worse, because instead of just getting a bloody elbow, he gets mud right all over his face. Yeah. Yep. Bridget, you were happy with the mud. I did. I, I I liked the mud. We don't see enough mud in movies anymore. And then it hadn't even occurred to me that it was Noodles who tripped him. Mm-hmm. So I did a little fist bump when we saw him. <laughs> My uh, man. Oh, man. This movie ends at the right time. 90 minutes. I, uh, 90 minutes. <laughs> all you need. Yeah. Any more? Yeah, I would have felt. I think once we once we're like at channel eight for a little while, it was like let's. I know where this is going. Let's yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's get there because almost all the stuff that happens there is not funny to me. Like I, I think what's funny when he when he discovers the mop, he's like he sees the mop and like breaks out of the ropes. Yeah, like that's funny so. stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like just like him running around and like stapling the guy in the back and just I. Well, I Whatever. love it because he's yeah. shooting the staples, which shouldn't do anything. No, it shouldn't do anything at all. If you use one of those handheld staplers and you pull it, they just fall out. But then the guy comes back and he's just got staples all through his face. And I think when Al pulls it out, like, he's even got, like, the blood holes in it. Yeah. So, like, that shouldn't have worked. That, that's not. No, that's not how it works. No. But I do love when they cut back to those guys after they've been dispatched by the karate school. And they're just, like, all over. The, the whole office is destroyed. They're bent over cubicles. He's then he's still got the staples, staples yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that between the Dire Straits music video and like that sequence, I think it was the only time I was kind of like, "All right, let's go." Because beyond that, it was just mm-hmm. it just kept on going. Yeah, I think you, there's too many cutbacks to the henchmen holding on because there's the the part where they kidnap him. It's in the car. That one goes for a little long. You know, there's not really a ton of jokes per se. In that. Yeah. And then they cut back and he's at the card table and he's being a nuisance. And then they cut back and he's in the closet being a nuisance. Mm-hmm. And then it's the fight. So, like, maybe just do two cutbacks yeah. to him because I think when he's sitting there is not nearly as funny as when he's being an animated wacky waving his arms right, everywhere. Right. And, you know, riding the, the miniature fire truck around and high-fiving kids in the, in the clubhouse. Yeah. Those sequences are way better. Because those might be the most normal people in the movie, those henchmen. <laughs> so, like, they're just not funny people. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because I think that in terms of normal people, you get Terry and... Right. I guess Fran Drescher is pretty normal, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the henchmen are fairly standard. Even the other Channel 8 people are all a little over the top. The boss is way too overbearing and wacky of a boss, though I do like when Al first meets him and all the phones stop ringing, everybody stops working, there's no sounds whatsoever until that interaction is done, and then the phones are ringing off the hook again and everything's back to normal. Uh, so I did like that. But he's he's over the top. Yeah. His son. Of, I like, love Daddy. the son. The son is good stuff. <laughs> I enjoyed all great. that stuff. Dad. But, just like <laughs> yeah, the the bunk gets his, his redemption arc too. Oh, yeah. Yes. Did you enjoy the change? And then he gives them the dollar. Like he actually got changed for a dollar. Yeah. That was good. But it just reminded me of the Naked Gun sequence about like where they're like, oh, can I have change for a 20? Oh. Oh, I don't know. Can I have the 20? Or let me borrow 10. You got a 10 yeah. on you? It's like, it just reminded me of that. And that's a funnier exchange of uh, currency than this one, but it was still pretty good. Yeah. And then at the end, did you see that Penny coming back to being a pivotal? No. <laughs> oh, you did, saw, you did? When I saw how excited he was, I was like, oh yeah, this is, that's going to be what saves him. Yeah. He's going to be like majority owner. Got those valuable Channel pen- 62. Yeah. You got those valuable pennies, man. Uh, what, what about you, Adam? Is this like, you said you haven't seen it in years. Did it really just hold up for you or? I think I had way more fun with it because I was watching you guys squirm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like like I was saying, like some of my biggest laughs were looking at you guys and realizing that your brains weren't comprehending what your eyeballs yeah. were seeing. And that was extra funny to me because it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the synapses were not firing. Like, yeah. things were not making connections. It's very absurdist. And it's not like a... Because we talked about the comparisons to like a Monty Python, but at least in Holy Grail, there's more of a cohesive through line story where these goofy things are happening. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you know, you even said like it's the loosest version of a containing device mm-hmm. in terms of a plot. And so you don't get that through line story. You're not invested in what the plot is necessarily giving you. So it relies entirely upon whether the parody lands or the gag lands or the sight gag works or if you even see it uh, or if the subverting expectation style jokes of like Indy's whip where he would normally takes the gun out completely rips the guy's arm off the change bit the penny thing giants like the the pull back and reveal of that cage in the Rambo sequence yeah. where it's just it's you know bamboo sticks and he's looking through this tiny peephole he's like let's go you gotta get out of there <laughs> Um, so if like if if those things work, then great. You guys laughed; it was fun. But the ones that are really, really, really stupid, where I can see the look on your face of like, okay, oh damn it, he did it again. Yeah, <laughs> he did another really stupid thing, and I no, I hate that it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so me watching those reactions made it so much better. And this is why I think, to your point, this would have worked so well as. You rent out a theater, midnight screening, everyone's got number two pencils and they've got oatmeal and they've got, you know, like a Rocky Horror style watch along where everyone gets the joke. This movie would be great for that because you don't really need to pay attention. Just wait for the moment where you're going to throw the packet of oatmeal because Mm -hmm. whatever's going on in the movie is is happening. Hopefully they haven't soaked overnight. (laughs) Just with little marbles in them. Yeah, just little marbles. Throw those at the screen. We haven't talked about him at all, but what did you guys think of Al as an actor? 
Did you like his portrayal? Did you like his characteristics and mannerisms? He does get a little manic at times. How did you feel about his portrayal and his acting? We talked about the Stallone mm-hmm. droopy eye, the impressions. I think he excels when he has more to do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Just being George, I found him flat. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the straight man, really, mm-hmm. for most of this, against the wackiest of the wacky mm-hmm. that he could come up with in, in writing it. So, yeah, it's definitely a weird yeah, but weakness for him, where his strengths are the parodies, the imitations and, and things like that. What about you, John? Yeah, I don't think it was so much the acting that I kind of I took from this was like the writing, because I know he wrote the movie that mm-hmm. I I enjoyed what all the characters that he populated these spaces with mm-hmm. more so than I did like his acting in any particular. Like I enjoyed like the brooding sort of like Harrison Ford sort of style that he did in the beginning of the first one and even the Rambo stuff. It's when you see like the really zany stuff where he's wearing like this big old rainbow jacket and like that stuff. It's not funny to me, but it, it's it's Weird Al, you know what I mean? Yeah. But again, since he wrote the whole movie with another guy, I couldn't, I forgot the name, but the that's, person who directed it too, it was Jay Levy. Gotcha. Levy. It's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't recognize the name, but like that. That's what I'm more impressed with. That he sort of like put all this sort of stuff together and had the balls to sort of convince MGM that this was a good idea, and that he even got the funding for something like this. Like, yeah. I'm not even sure what the pitch was. Pulling right from the Wikipedia. Um, so, Levy is actually Al's manager uh, and directed several, almost all, it looks like, of his music videos. Like, his okay. his filmography that makes is sense. mostly Weird Al music videos. It, I don't even think it's anything else. It's Al TV. It's... There was a TV documentary, The Legend of the Beverly Hillbillies, that he directed. Oh, no. Um, yeah. But other than that, it's pretty much all Weird Al stuff. So they had discussed this idea because his second album was super popular. So they kind of shopped it around a little bit and wanted to do it in a style similar. And this is their words to Airplane, which it does feel very much at home in that yeah. naked gun, airplane, hot shots. Physical gags. Genre yeah. of... Yeah, the physical gags, the very literal translation of what you said is now being represented here, subverting the expectations in terms of where you think something is going to go. Like the guy who gets told to take that off because he's wearing this over-the-top cowboy hat with a raccoon tail. Yeah. And he pulls off his mustache. Yeah, like I knew that was coming. Yeah. yeah. So some of that kind of stuff lives right at home in those other things. So uh, they tried to shop the script around Hollywood uh, for about three years and nobody bit on it. I think for <laughs> fairly standard reasons. Uh, and they were surprised when one of their agents had shown the script to the founders of a new production company, Cinecorp, who were interested in the script and had given it to producers Gene Kirkwood and John Hyde. Kirkwood uh, had previously seen Yankovic's music videos and wanted to make a movie with him. So Kirkwood and Hyde, who had connections at Orion Pictures, offered to fund the, pro- the production as long as they could keep it under $5 million. So just happened to show it to a bunch of random people. Yeah. And- one person liked it, and they just started a company and had an in it Orion, and yeah, that was it. So wait, you said this was something thought to save Orion. When did they shudder? They shudder shortly after, like Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs is like, one of them is like the last one of their last 
big movies to come out, and it's like this big, because it goes and sweeps the major categories at the Oscars, and Orion is no more by that point. That's like 91. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, it turns, just... it turns, it gets absorbed, it turns into another company, mm-hmm. and then actually Orion, I believe, they... is back now in some sort of capacity. Yeah, yeah. In 2013, they were revived uh, for television, but ultimately, it was absorbed by MGM, who did put this movie out. Like their their logo is there at the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm sorry if this was a little bit of a letdown because you got excited when you saw the Orion Pictures logo. I did get excited, yeah, because uh, we had seen it at the beginning of RoboCop recently, and yeah. I think it was. <laughs> He set the park too high. It does. Says, for, I gotta stop. Yeah. For what came after? I mean, is there anything else that you guys want to get out there? I don't know if there's. I feel like we've touched on. I think a lot of your favorite moments. Yeah. Can you? Are you able to find? I was trying to find it. The lineup that they're playing with, like the board, like some of the titles. Yeah, I could probably find that real quick. Can you one second? Oh, the programming. The programming. Yeah, I tried to catch some of it when I could, but like the volcano, volcano. one, I grabbed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so you can buy this on a t-shirt, a sticker, however you uh, you would like to display your UHF fall schedule. I did see, like, Stanley's show, like, took up, like, a whole block. Like, oh, it's on every, 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 like, at 8 o'clock. It's on seven days a week from 7 to 8. Okay, yeah. so here we go. This is a screenshot right from the movie. We've got 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday, news. We've got Beverly Hillbillies reruns, so that shows up a couple of times. We've got Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse, Wheel of Fish, You Bet Your Pink Slip. Uh, news is also Monday through Friday at 11 to 11.30. So they've got all their bases covered. Uh, we've got Mr. Ed is on, The Wide World of Tractor Poles, Leave It to Bigfoot, Secrets of the Universe. Uh, oh, Town Talk is also after the news every night from 11.30 to 12. So yeah, reruns of Mr. Ed. We've got Traffic Court. Raul's Wild Kingdom is on Wednesdays from 8 to 9. Wednesdays from 9 to 11 is The Wonderful World of Phlegm. Uh, we've also got My Three Mutants, Beat the Lone Shark, Name That Stain, The Young and the Dyslexic, Ion Toxic Waste, Druids on Parade, Volcano Worshippers Hour, Underwater Bingo for Teens, Dog Racing from Rio de Janeiro, The Lice is Right, That's Disgusting, Buddha Knows Best, The Flying Pope, and Bestiality Today are all shows on the UHF fall schedule. Any of those you're particularly excited to watch? I know you mentioned uh, Volcano Worshippers Hour. Yeah. Uh, Raul's, I'll, 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 I'll tune back in for that. Okay. Yeah. Wednesdays at 8. Check in on Raul. Yeah. Set your DVRs. I do like Underwater Bingo for Teens. That's good stuff. Yeah. Flying Pope sounds interesting. Yeah. I can't miss television. No. The underwater thing did remind me of the uh, the crazy car commercial. Where the guy will literally beat a seal for the best deal. <laughs> beat? <laughs> oh my god, that's right. <laughs> Again, another just so casually throwing it in there. It sounds like it's part of every single car commercial you've ever seen. But then there's just that seal flapping his little flippers on the top of that car. On top of the hood, yeah. Next to a mallet that he's going to use to beat him. <laughs> you know what? This movie reminds me, and The Simpsons, I guess, would have just started at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Of an extended episode of The Simpsons, you know, you can kind of see how comedy was evolving towards that direction of, like, more absurd. Actually, this would have come out... I mean, The Simpsons would have been part of Tracy Ullman, but the first episode wasn't until December of 89. Mm -hmm. So this would have technically been out before The Simpsons that we know today. Yeah. So this is... This is its... 
twin that it ate in the womb, (laughs) basically. Devoured it whole. Mm -hmm. But of just, like, a weirdo cast of characters, people doing strange and absurd things, and no one really questions it. No one's normal. No one's, yeah, very... Like, even Lisa, she's not normal. No, she's not. (laughs) She's... The, the normalist. She's probably the normalist. Well, yeah. That's what I'm trying to think of the most normal person on the Sims. Dude, she's still the lizard queen. Hmm. <laughs> she's more akin to the Fran Drescher role in this movie, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Still normal, but living amongst the weirdos and thriving. Yeah. And she finally gets to be on the news, which she always wanted. All right, so any final thoughts then? And do you want to put a bow on this? How are you feeling now that we've kind of discussed it? We've brought up some of the... The better bits. Is it sitting any better with it's you an hour better. later? It's sitting better. That I'm reminded of things like the ant farm and. (laughs) So good. I absolutely love the ant farm. And a few other things. Now, you mentioned that this would probably be good on rewatching. Do you think that you will eventually go and rewatch it? I don't know. It would depend on the crowd and my mood. Has Brian seen this? I don't know. Brian and I have been to a Weird Al concert together at the Big E. He might have. I'll have to ask him. Yeah. Certainly possible. Johnny, what about you? What are your... Uh, yeah, I think if I, if, if I had to watch this again, you'd pro- I'd probably need to, like, to have a buzz on or something, yeah. to be honest with you. Again, like I said, this movie lives at the midnight hour. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. It should be put in, maybe even on tape if you can find it. You seem to elude that it's very hard to find something like that. But I would very much like to yeah, find it. I certainly, again, don't have cable TV anymore. I don't... Comedy Central is probably not playing this anymore. It just... How do you even, like, you would have to do what we did, and you would have to sort of, like, create a podcast where you find people who have not seen it, then watch it. But, mm-hmm. again, like, did not want to like this movie, ended up liking a good chunk of it. And if I ever had a situation where I had a piece of media of it, physical, that I can just pop in at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night with a couple of couple of friends, I think this could be a, a real hoot again. And, like you said, it... Has a lot of things that I just you just brought up that like I just completely missed. Yeah, because again, it goes beat to beat to beat. Because so. probably just doing this for like <laughs> after like a joke and missing like oh, no. eight seconds of something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, pleasantly surprised. Okay, now one final question that we've asked a couple of times for different things. I think this got put on the list of potential movies because it is on comedies you haven't seen that you should have seen. Do you think it belongs on those kinds of lists? Do you think people should see this? I think people should see this in the same way that a scary man says to a group of children on a hike in the woods. Hey, kids, you want to see a dead body? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you want to see something very strange? So, in short, I would agree. Okay, Johnny? I, <laughs> I don't know if I can recommend this to anyone. I know you guys, and if I know you guys did, if I watched it, you guys haven't seen this, but like, you guys got to watch this. But to the to the general world, the the population, it's probably a no. Yeah, actually, don't watch this. My mother would murder me. <laughs> oh yeah, this, this is someone trying very hard to be funny, and I th- you kind of have to be, and I think in but our, she would laugh at the ant farm though. She would, <laughs> oh, the ant ant farm is good she stuff. Like Rebels Wild Kingdom, yeah, because that's like just something you've just never seen before ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone take an ant farm and shake it up with those fuckers in it? Yeah, you see the you'll see the glass get shattered and the ants escape. You'll see it get tipped over, but you've never see it violently abused that way. Oh yeah. my god, I know. It was, it was a sh- I was shocked. I was generally shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but uh 
Yeah, I don't think I could recommend this to anyone. I just, <laughs> I, I listen. Like I was, just, I was about to say. Yeah, I think if you are in our age group, if you know who Weird Al is, I don't think anyone born in two thousand hard pressed to know who Weird Al is. Maybe you've heard Amish Paradise or something like that, but it just you. I think you have to be around this age group to get a lot of, like, the jokes and the funny bits and the yeah. sort of, like... Because, again, like, we talk about these infomercials and things that we grew up on, like, that just said it's hilarious. Well, and that's... I sort of had this question, too, of, like, you know, what what are the movies that would be parodied? Like, is that sort of comedy, like, I guess you said, so easily someone can go on TikTok and quick mm-hmm. have that satire be there... And it feels like we, as a society, we burn through film, television, media content so quickly. So rapidly. There's no time for stuff to stick. Like, even, like, the big tentpole franchises, there's not a, like, moment in the new Star Wars movies that I would say is iconic in the same way that... Yeah. sort of stuff that goes on to be parodied in Spaceballs mm-hmm. is iconic. And I think we, Same with the Marvel movies, I would say. And but, we ruined a lot of that plausibility with the mid-2000s superhero movie, 17 scary movie. Like That's true, That too. weird like three-year period where there was a new date movie, whatever, like fill-in-the-blank movie, and just burn through every movie reference you could possibly do in the worst, laziest manner. Yeah. No one wants to see that nowadays because of it. Whether the movies today are either genre-defining enough or have the ability to be aped in that way, I don't know. But I don't think anyone's going to attempt it because it's just not... It's just not what people. I mean, the like the movie is about a medium. It's about like cable TV, cable access TV. Like, if you don't have any connection to that, if you have no connection to ever seeing infomercials, again, we took it for granted when we were younger. Just like fuck, I just want to get through it and watched the end of this fucking Doug episode or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I just. But now it's like you go back and watch, and that shit's fucking hilarious. And the, even the parodies, like this movie, are they're good stuff. So I think. Kids that grow up in like a, a age of cutting the cable, like you would, you would have no connection to this at all, yeah. Although, or I, Weird Al or any of that. I, I did. I reached out to my source, boots on the ground, uh, <laughs> my <laughs> Zoomer sister. I said, "Do Zoomers know Weird Al?" She said, "Yes, we do." LOL. He's the parody guy, <laughs> and to give you a sense of like her frame of reference. She did not know about the band Corn. She did not know who the character Goku was, and she did not know the band Papa Roach. So, okay. just to yeah. give you a fuller context. Again, not to say that the, the entire, entire generation <laughs> doesn't know who Weird Al is, but but I, you're losing people by the day. Yeah, but she like <laughs> no, she's like, oh, the parody guy. Yeah, like she didn't go. He does music, right? Amish Paradise. Yeah, yeah, Hawaiian shirt, sure. accordion, yeah. like. No, I, and I think his last album, because his last album was the one that had, like, word crimes based on blurred lines. Like, he released a video every day for, like, a week. Oh, and that really that really hit in that in 2014 because it was a lot of super popular songs that he was using and all the videos that accompanied. Like, there was – he did a Lord song. He did – what is it? Happy by Pharrell. So, like, mm-hmm. the songs that people – your sister's generation would have been – growing up listening to yeah. would have had a weird out parody. So even then by four, you know, by 2014, there's still a big group of people that would have 
right. least heard one thing that he did. Whether that stuck with them or not, I don't know. But yeah. sure, there was several new fans born in that in that year that, where they started liking them in that year. Right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just <laughs> this was a ride. We can't recommend it in good faith, but we can we recommend it in bad faith. Yes. At very the very well, least, very I think well. you guys could recommend seeking out clips. Yeah. Because they don't need to be in context necessarily. There are very few that need to be in any kind of context, I would guess. But at the very least, there is fun stuff. You guys did seem to, begrudgingly or not, have a chuckle or two. Uh, and I'm very glad to have shown it to you. So I'm glad that this wasn't as painful as I thought it might be in the middle. No. <laughs> No. Nice. All right. Well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine I'll Watch It every Thursday morning on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pod. So let us know what you think of Weird Al Yankovic. Do you have a particular favorite song or album? Do you have a favorite music video? And ultimately, what do you think of UHF? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening. Bye.